Listen, I already think it's weird that people describe the baby Jesus as tender and mild. What does that mean? What are y'all cooking him with? I feel like we're going to lose our editor after this episode. Oh, luckily this won't be in the podcast. So that's uh, we're recording underestimate it, Tucker. dumbass. Everybody and welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, film podcast that you can lose with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts. But we're not going to be critics. We're not going to throw numbers at the conversa- at the end of the conversation. We're just going to ask the question: So did you like it? I am Sir Square, and joined always with my co-host, and I'm a gun. <laughs> but we also have a special guest. Who are you? Explain yourself. I'm Superman. I. Do not like this energy we've started yes. out with. Like, I'm sorry, I understand <laughs> what y'all were going for, but, but I do not like how this started. But, but what's your name, Superman? Oh, oh that, that's a secret identity. What the hell, dude? All right, we're joined by oh, Bob. No, oh, it is. Right. <laughs> this was I tried. Square, and this was supposed to be my way of getting them to actually yeah. introduce themselves. Yeah. I didn't know. You, I'm, I... Digi- I'm Digibubs86, everybody. How y'all doing today? I'm back! Uh, they they let me back in the door after the TMNT and podcast. I'm regretting every decision tonight. Like, this is... <laughs> Guys, we just had to say our names. What happened to us, you know? Like, what happened to us? Hey, I've got my shtick. I didn't know he was going to steal it. <laughs> you guys have a date I night have... segment for your streams. What did you expect to happen? I- Admittedly, this one was the most morbid, I think, of the ones yeah, I've done. Yeah, no, I mean, this, pretty bad yeah, that, was, that was pretty shocking. You got me, my guy. You got me. <laughs> anyway, this week we checked out, uh, to start off, the amazing return of Summer of Animation, uh, The Iron Giant from 1999, directed by Brad Bird. This is a classic film about a boy and his giant metal man robot. Yeah, and nothing bad happens. They just go frolicking, do a little bit of, you know, playing with car with cars and, mm-hmm. you know, getting shenanigans and everything's fine. And we learn no major moral lessons. Except that if you're a giant robot, cars are delicious. Solid lesson. Never mind. There that is... is one single lesson in this film. <laughs> That lesson is so universal and so relatable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, seriously. This movie, uh, I mean, let's be honest, we all grew Oh, no, Bubs, you didn't grow up with this movie. So I, I have a funny little story about this movie. I'm already I... not laughing. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would always see just the beginning part of this movie and... Or either just the ending of this movie. So I would never see the full movie. So unfortunately, I, I couldn't, you know, enjoy watching this when I was younger. You know, so I, uh, one, I, I'll agree with Square, and that story wasn't actually funny. Um, but <laughs> two, uh, I grew up, I maybe saw this like two times, maybe as a kid. And I thought it was pretty good. For me, I think as a kid, I was like, it was a little slow compared to some of like the big bright animations. But I definitely growing up, I had a lot more reverence. As the more I thought, lock, I thought back on it, I was like, man, that was a pretty good movie, right? That was pretty good. Like, you know, idiot me with my short attention span was like, eh, you know, could have had brighter colors. But like, I was like, was that actually a really solid movie? <laughs> I 
watch this movie on repeat. Like this is a this is one of those movies where like it's hard for me to be like completely fair about the conversation because there's the rose tinted glasses because this was a film that me and my family just loved to watch. I mean, like, there's something about the time period it's set in, how it's portrayed, the way main characters are introduced. Everything about this movie just seems to fit within itself. Like, I never feel like there is any sort of slow moment or time where the animation seems to stutter and be off. Like, it just fit. It's one of those, to me, like, absolute perfect films to watch. Hello. I'll say this, uh, I guess to give my younger self a little bit credit, that little shit. Um, you said, like, the time period is great. And time period is great, but I feel like it's way more... Like, the time period is way more for adults. Because a child, or definitely me as a child, maybe I was just a dumb kid. But uh, I didn't have any grasp on the Cold War era. The whole, like, scare of, like, foreign threats and all that stuff that they had back... That, you know, that they that they were alluding to in the time period it's at. And being an adult, one, going through... one. Having having actually know about the uh, Cold War era and what that was like, you know, reading about what that's like or, you know, looking up stuff uh, and then, you know, being an adult and living through like, what is it, the the whole post 9-11 fear of terrorism and all that stuff kind of stuff. It's like I definitely have a better appreciation for the setting uh, than I did as a kid. Yeah, it's it's a film you that grows up with you as you just can keep watching it you know as a kid like it was the it was the same where it was just it was the story that really got to me like the story of a boy and his robot um but when you're an adult it's all the underlying uh storylines that are going on that pushes it further because it's it's really scary to think about those moments too like one of those one of the scenes that really stands out to me in this movie is actually in the beginning and it's when hogarth is in his classroom and there's just a duck and cover cartoon being yeah. played yeah. in the background. I was just about to bring that up because I, I, I didn't see that when we watched it the first time. So I rewatched it today and I saw that and I was like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> and like the song, like, duck and cover, duck and cover. It's just like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. And like so, the yeah. idea, too, that like if a bomb just blows up on the top of your desk, that little strip of you under it, it's safe. You're fine. It's got like this magical protective like deradiation barrier. You're just duck and cover, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I, I, not to jump ahead like towards the other, but they were showing that to the kids in the classroom and the teacher was like, shh, pay attention. Like, watch this. And like all the kids are like talking about like what, what could be going on. Like if it was a spaceman or a meteor in the background, the four boys with Hogarth. And yeah. everybody else is just watching this film about duck and cover. And the, towards the end of the movie, there is an actual bomb coming to them. And the adult's a little more real about it. She's like, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a bunker that way. And then the guy was like, it wouldn't matter. I was like, oh, oh God. And he says the dumbest <laughs> thing. He's like, we can duck and cover. Like, yeah, can, wasn't it like Mansley that says it? Yeah, it is Mansley. Mansley know? says like, duck and cover, but Dean's the one that says it wouldn't matter. Like Dean was yeah, being it, much more realistic about. It. it wasn't Dean. It was um, 
It was the general. That was the general, yeah. Which I think it's funnier that it's the general because it's so funny. The idea is like the the uh, the army or national guard, or wherever they were, army uh, are so aware that what they're putting out is propaganda and it's a crock of shit that wouldn't help. And the general public is just, yeah, they're none the wiser. They're just like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, the, gov- the government says this is what we knew to stay alive during a nuclear attack or something like that. Yeah. It'll be fine. But meanwhile, the general's like, you idiot. That's not going to do anything. <laughs> so we're going for You fool. Where's the robot, Mansley? Oh. <laughs> we're all going for our country. He's oh, a, Kent he's a Mansley. screw our country. Yeah, the hell with our country. I want to live, which has got to be the most base thing that Mansley has said. Though it is, look, self-preservation is a very important instinct to have, and at least Mansley has that one instinct. Listen, I never, I never want to be in a situation to die for my country. I don't think I care. (laughs) Okay, I actually want to play like a little bit of a kind of game with you guys about Kent Mansley because. So Ken Mansley's voiced by Christopher McDonald, and you people know him as like Shooter McGavin or Tabby Tibbins. Like he's had a really great career, and you know he's he's a recognizable actor, and he plays Kent Mansley really well. But I want you guys to give me your reactions to these other uh, actors that were considered before he took the role. Are you all ready? Shooter McGavin. Other than Shooter McGavin. What you mean, Goose? From Greece too. I will reach through this Discord call (laughs) and slap you. He was in Greece. He was in Greece too. He was in Greece too. He was one of the T birds. I've never seen Greece too. That's 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 a good thing. You know what? I can see him being preppy. I can't imagine him seeing like wearing yeah wearing like the jacket and shit. Oh, he was wearing the jacket. He was he was like the right hand man of the T birds. That sounds. Fucking bonkers. <laughs> okay, here we go. Who else who else go. was considered? Alright, first name. Tommy Lee Jones. No. no. I would have liked him for the general. The general, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Understandable. Understandable. I can agree with that. Second choice, Alec Baldwin. See Alec that could work. I, I would see him more as a general again. Or if not, maybe playing Dean. No, I don't I don't know about him for Dean. Honestly, I can't. Fine. I, I don't know if there was a role for Alec Baldwin in this movie. I could see Alec Baldwin doing Mansley, but I don't think he has the manic energy that Chris That's McDonald brought e- to it. Exactly. Like, I can't imagine Mansley without... Because then that scene wouldn't have hit as well. You know, that uh, screw our country, I want to live. <laughs> Especially that scene where he gets off the phone the first time in Hogarth's house. And he's, like, yelling and he's trying to... He starts slamming the phone down. He's just like... <sighs> combs his hair back. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kent. <laughs> Yeah, that or when he's freaking out when half his car is eaten. I just can't imagine Alec Baldwin doing the kind of freak out that I think uh, Chris Christopher McDonald did. All right, okay. Third option, Burt Reynolds. No. Just yeah, automatic now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think I'm also going to say no. I just, he could, I just don't think he could do like the over-the-top. Well, I mean, he could. I just, I... I don't think it'd be as good. I, I'm just saying. I, I mean, it's a good choice. I think I, th- I've got a lot of names here, so I won't go through all of them. But like, uh, I'm liking these opinions. What were you saying, Bubs? Oh, I mean, he did great in All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I don't. I couldn't see him for Mansley. All right, let's do a rapid fire then. Rapid Real fire. Quick. We won't react until the after. After you say all the names. Willem Dafoe, Kevin Spacey, James Woods, Lance Henriksen, 
Dennis Hopper, Michael Malcolm McDowell, and Patrick Stewart. Are you so Willem Dafoe and I blacked out? I just lost <laughs> seconds Wait, of my life. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? Imagine <laughs> Kent Mansley voiced by Willem Dafoe. Uh, who was the last one you said? Because I think that was Patrick yeah, that, Stewart. That would have been fun. Oh no, no not before. No, Patrick you Stewart. said Lance. Oh, something. oh, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Uh, I think would be good, but he's very British, and he wouldn't be an American. Uh, I liked the idea of James Woods. I just have a personal. Yeah, no, I understand that. Like, I get that. I get that he, about James Woods. He does very good voice work, and he's a very charismatic actor. That's why I can see so him probably, playing Kent Mansley. I don't so like the person, but like, good. I think it would probably have been an interesting uh, performance. Yeah, I think he would actually. Of all the names you said, he would probably do fit in the best in the role. That said. Eh. Wait, <laughs> we're good. One uh, of the names sounded familiar. Was it the guy that plays Mr. Krabs? No, Lance Henriksen is the guy that played Bishop in Alien. Um, uh, Clancy Brown is yeah. Mr. Krabs. Yeah, Clancy oh, okay. Brown is uh, Mr. Krabs. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody else could really pull off that energy for Mansley. I, I'm going to stand by. I think James Wood actually would have been a pretty good at it. I think my top despite, three. Despite any misgiving. Christopher McDonald, honestly, like is going to be the top forever because it, it was an amazing performance. But I would have loved to see the realities in which we saw either Willem Dafoe or James Woods. Kevin Spacey, I don't think, would have worked. <laughs> I don't know about Will. I mean, Willem Dafoe might have been good, but the moment you said his name, I was like, everything else just went blank. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Because I feel like when, when, when it comes to Willem Dafoe, like his, even when he's doing voice work, like his facial expressions come out. You're just like, I can see what was going on here. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Just, uh, yeah, I guess I can. Because he, he has, like, especially when I think of Willem Dafoe and I think of him being kind of like, like, crazy like how Manzi was i'm thinking of him at in boondock saints when he's doing the whole opera dance part and he's imagining all the gunfighting happening and everything and just maybe you know i guess that'd be okay yeah sure i suppose <laughs> anyway <laughs> we should talk about who's actually in the movie and what actually happened in the movie i mean it's one of those films like do we need to give like an actual like breakdown of what happens in this movie in terms of like scene by scene because yeah, like at least the general gist if no one's ever seen that's it. true i guess we've so. mentioned we've mentioned the theme and we've mentioned that a boy gets a big iron man as a friend um can can i just say i i didn't know jennifer aniston was in this movie yeah yeah voice is the mom. She the mom that was the mom oh. yeah. i never knew that either but now that she said it i'm like okay, you hear can, it like as soon as that. as soon as you mention it you can hear it Honestly, I thought I recognized the guy who played Dean, but I looked him up and I don't. I didn't. <laughs> uh, that happened to me today too. I tried to look because he sounded familiar, but I, I I thought the Dean's character, whoever the guy that actually voiced him, was really good. Like, he was just like smooth. He was like smooth about everything, you know. Yeah, he was a good pretentious artist who also. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty chill guy. So when we were watching this. I think Square and someone said like, "Hey, how come no one talks about this mom being like the MVP, like mom?" Because like, yeah, her son's well behaved. Or I mean, yeah, relatively well behaved. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he means to do good. Yeah. Uh, he's smart. He's smarter than his class that he got to skip a few. Uh, she works like wicked fucking hours just to be able to financially support the family because the dad's not in the picture. He died in the Korean War. Did they say war. why the dad's not in the picture? Oh, so he did die in the Korean War. Yeah, remember- it's, you're oh, supposed uh, to make that okay. inference uh, because, like, you can see pictures of him in the house 
Uh, yeah. And it seemed like he was definitely an Air Force man. And with the timing of when the movie happened and when Hogarth was born, it means he redeployed for the Korean War and probably died there. I, yeah. I'm i not sure if like if it was the same, but uh, that one scene where Hogarth is looking at Mansley and they're just kind of staring each other down, uh, Hogarth pulls out a helmet and puts it on his head with the with the goggles included. And if you look real carefully on the side of his bed, you can see a picture of his dad wearing almost the same identical helmet. It goggles. probably is his helmet. Yeah, so I, I thought I thought that was like a that was really nice. That's that a really awesome. good call out. I've never noticed that before. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, and then yeah, it, it really becomes more explicit that his dad died in combat when he has that uh, talk with uh, the giant uh, about you know because they're talking about uh, how. Um, there's a really dramatic scene where, like, they see a deer, and he's such a gentle giant that the deer goes and kind of, like, noses at his finger and just kind of trots off, you know, very, you know, whimsically or, ma- you know, very, very, very majestically. Uh, and then followed by, I joked during when we were us watching this saying, like, and no, watch, now the deer's going to get shot. And sure enough, you hear, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't mean this. I was, I was I'm so broken hearted when I saw that I scene. I wasn't ready for so. this. So they have a great scene where he basically Hogarth is teaching the giant about death, basically, because um, he has the mind of a child after he gets uh, mind wiped uh, holding onto electrical uh, wire. I'll just just to shorten it. But yeah, that's the uh, and so he has to teach him about like what death is. And it's a pretty, pretty poignant, pretty like deep scene uh, where, yeah, he's talking. Yeah, one of the lines he says is like, you know, it's bad to kill. But it's it's okay to die. Not bad to die. Oh yeah, there you go. Like it doesn't make you a bad person for dying, and that kind of really gives you the idea that like that's coming from a real place where like Hogarth probably had to come with ter- come to terms, or probably had to like have some epiphanies because he's really he's really um, mature. Like he's he's very much has an idea, a philosophy on life that like. Uh, most kids don't don't get yeah uh, and so yeah he, he, in explaining that you kind of get the gist of like he's had to come to terms with someone who may was who maybe was killed now wait is was so here's the thing about the giant is uh that i i want to ask you actually are you gonna ask if the giant has a dog no i'm gonna ask do you think the okay. giant was an invader or do you think it was just like a situation that they have a defensive system, but like it wasn't a situation of invasion? I think from the weird flashback dream sequence that he kind of has, uh, I think it implies that he was a creation made for war and or um, conquer and conquest. I think so too, because especially. Like if you see all the advanced technology he has when he goes into his battle mode, and just like how he's just like demolishing the armies, like small little, small little you know, group of troops, and just like has like an incinerator gun, and just destroys the things in full like all of its matter and everything. I think they were built for that purpose alone, by whatever alien planet he came from. Because it's just, like, I always wonder, because after he gets his memories back, and, like, you see his, like, head wound heals fully, he still retains the ability to choose between violence and non-violence. So, 
I, I just always wonder about that. Like, what is, what could you interpret his purpose to be? It's weird that my brain split and that I had to ask this question because I'm still thinking about what Kaz said earlier and that, like, yes, like, I do also agree that, you know, when it comes to uh, Annie, the character that is Hogarth's mom, it's incredible to see what she is able to accomplish uh, in the brief moments you get to understand what Hogarth is going through in his life because she is giving him every opportunity she can possibly create for him. And it's very, it's it's a very strong depiction of a single mother, especially in that time period, you know, in the 50s, when sometimes that wasn't always looked on favorably. And, and you know, it's not uh, her fault, because it's the, what, 50s with, like, limited communication. Uh, that yeah, Her son goes out and hangs out with other people. He doesn't have a dad, so he seemingly accidentally finds father figures. Uh, in that he f- hangs out with Dean. Uh, he doesn't like Mansley, but he ends up having to hang out with Mansley because at least the mom's like, well, he's with the government. Sure, I could probably trust my kid with this and, guy. Yeah. Even you though know he's what? And you're on the fence about Mansley until he chloroforms him. That's when you know. It's just like, you know, maybe you're not a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm like. Yeah, not real dad-like <laughs> behavior, you know? I mean, the, the, the whole scene at the diner where they're eating the milkshakes was in a red flag for y'all? No, or? it just seemed totally normal, you know? Like, sometimes you've got to just yell about national security. <laughs> listen, oh, listen. no. You say that, but Dean is the one with the squirrel in his pants. Dean. Oh, yeah, and he was like, sorry about this, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Dean is totally willing to just publicly reveal himself. Well, at least Mansley is just shouting about national security. Like, what is really the worst behavior here? Uh, <sighs> I could kind of bring this down a little bit and kind of bring it back to the uh the whole like uh, him talking about death and you know it's bad to kill people thing um okay, bring it down then. so there's both a little bit of backstory both with the original um story or poem that this was based on and also a little bit of history with the director himself poem i won't give too much uh i won't speak too too much because uh, i believe the poet's name was ted hughes uh, anyways, uh, he wrote it, he wrote the Iron, I, what, I guess, like, the, the Iron, Iron Man, Iron Man, or something like that, uh, for his kids to kind of better understand, like, the death of their mother, but, which, who, who was Sylvia Plath, and notoriously has gone down in history, uh, has, has her, she did commit suicide, um, she was an excellent, amazing poet, Oh, and um, I, I'm the one that missed was... uh, references. It is a novel, not a poem. My bad. Oh, okay. Uh, he is not a an incredible guy, so I don't care too much. Of, I won't speak too much about him. Uh, and then, yeah, I think he also married another uh, woman who uh, apparently, I think, also committed suicide somewhat similarly. Um, and so he wrote this to kind of help the kids cope and realize, you know, like, hey, this is, you know, you know death happens and life is like that and all that stuff um but yeah he's kind of he kind of sucked but anyways uh brad bird around the time he was pitching this his i want to say sister uh died from gun violence from her from someone she was in a relationship with and while it wasn't maybe in the forefront of his mind uh making the movie kind of had made him confront a lot of the uh a lot of the issues he was thinking about with, you know, guns, um, responsibility, 
accountability and, uh, you know, the, the circumstances of life and death. And so Hogarth's uh, moment where he's talking about, like, it's bad to kill people, but it's not someone's fault for dying or, you know, you can't blame mm-hmm. someone for dying, uh, I think has a lot more resonance given that that was a bit of his background in production of this movie. Or I guess before production. That is... I I did not know that. That is the first time I've actually heard this story. Yeah, and so... <laughs> not, not to kind of ruin the tone. It's kind of real fucked up considering that that's, that's kind of what he went into, the energy he went into the movie, making this movie. And then you see, like, what else has Iron Giant been in? Uh, Ready Player One, where he's just a big gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he... that kind of sucks. So I I had a question because I know y'all have seen Ready Player One, but does he use his weapons in that movie, or is he just like he comes in and he has some like arm-mounted cannons and yeah, he's just basically he's just a basically a big avatar or a big skin where it's like a hey look you know we're all going with this fu- we're going to a fight and we have all these multiple characters from different properties let's get all the WB ones and Tracer for some reason but like yeah let's get all the WB ones and look Iron Giants they're fighting alongside a Gundam and it's like. I think this is a bad use of the Iron Giant. Yeah, that that no sequels, left me really just yeah. no sequels, just cameos and Space Jam, yeah. like Nana mentioned this to us. This movie would legit be ruined by a sequel. It does yeah. Yeah. It it never should be Honestly. touched again. If I hear about a remake, well, one the or, movie flopped. Well, yes, the movie flopped, and the owner <laughs> the of Warner Brothers. Is quoted saying, people always ask me, why don't uh, we do smarter family films? And the reason why is every time we do, we get slaughtered. Which is, it's it's really sad when that is true, because like a film like this is incredible. Like, it's an amazing film for both the child and the parent that's taking them to see the film. So... I, it, yeah. It's a sad story when films like this don't work out at the box office. I'm just happy that it's gotten the recognition it deserves in the overall like history of film. It definitely, yeah, it's definitely more of a cult classic than it is. A, yeah, the box it, office. It lost like it lost millions at the box office. I mean, was it was it going against anything in particular when it when it when it came it out? It was apparently a lot of people uh, credit it to time bad timing. And not knowing how to present yourself and draw in the right viewers, like apparently the tr- and, the media run wasn't done properly, and I it might have been yeah, up against I, some stuff at the same time. I think even Brad Bird has gone on record saying like that he takes a little bit of responsibility for the poor reception or poor marketing, which like it makes sense. It, it happens, you know. Yeah, I think that ha- that I mean it does happen, but it just like you said. It's good when the when the film, you know, even if it takes a couple of years down the road or it goes to DVD and then people start actually noticing how good the movie is, it, at least it's being recognized now for being a really good film, at least to me. I thought it was an amazing film. It just, you know, sucks it didn't do too well in the box office. But like you, like you stated, there's some movies that don't need sequels, and this is one that would never need one in my book. Yeah. I 100% agree with both of y'all that this is absolutely a great standalone experience and it a sequel I think is not only unwarranted but I think it would probably ruin a lot of uh the the messaging and the things set up for this one. Like we had actually does end up on a pretty good upbeat ending that you can you could construe as like oh hey look they left it open for a sequel but I just thought it was a 
just a happy, yeah, feel good kind of uh, ending. Okay, okay, I'm doing a little bit of research right now, and to answer y'all's question, the reason this film didn't work is because Warner Brothers had already failed with an animated movie called Quest for Camelot, which I grew up on that movie, so like I can have nostalgia for it, but I can tell you, it's a bad movie. It's just a bad movie. I've never seen it. Um, and then they were, uh, so they were hesitant about animated films, and then they were putting a, the majority of their marketing effort behind another critical and box office flop to be Wild Wild West. So they ah. told Brad Bird that what this was going to be was a situation of, you're going to make this movie, you're going to finish this movie, and then we're going to shelve it for whenever we have a hole in the schedule. And that was the situation. Oof. So he never knew when the release date was going to be until they finally gave him the release date. And in spite of the glowing reviews they got, like his critics absolutely adored this film because it's hard not to. It just didn't do well in theaters, but it blew up in home release. Oh, that sucks. No, yeah. So that makes sense why the marketing would have failed on this because there was nothing for them to really go and off of. Warner Brothers wasn't going to back it in the way it needed to be backed. Like, they weren't going to put a full media blitz behind this movie. They were just going to be like, hey, that, too. And what? Also, they released it so, in I mean, August, and the two slowest months uh, in the theater are on those paper, two months, January On paper, it might have sounded like a good idea, but in hindsight, hedging your bets on the Wild Wild West was a really bad Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. That movie sucks so hard. <laughs> yeah. Listen... Kevin Klein is great in that movie, but he can't save it. No, he, he can't. <laughs> I can't even remember Sorry, anything about that movie. There was a big metal spider. I barely remember that. I see it in the and like. I sure. see it on the front cover of the movie, and I'm like, "When did that fucking happen in that movie? I don't remember that." Oh, Selma Hayek was in that too. I forgot. I don't about even that remember that. Now, but yeah, she was in but, it too. <laughs> but also, the bad guy says some very racist things, and I know, hey, as a bad guy, you're like, "Well, he's the bad guy," but you're like. <laughs> I don't I like I can't even repeat the thing that he said and it's a euphemism so, <laughs> so like Squirin said I, I did see right here just like he said it did come out in August and I'm guessing August is a bad it's a terrible time for, time movies. for movies August and January I, suck I, I, I'm guessing by this time Disney must have started some kind of advertising for Toy Story 2 because that also came out in 1999 in the the month of November. Oh, yeah. People were already hyped for Toy Story 2. I only saw Toy Story 2 once, and it was because we had a substitute teacher, so I don't quite remember it. I was too busy doing other bullshit. It's a great movie. But I think I would choose Iron Giant over Toy Story 2. Oh, that's that's hard. That's hard. Because, like, Toy Story is a film, like, when when the first Toy Story came out, like, it was a great, just, like, family film, and it had some great lessons. You didn't expect it to be elevated in the second movie, where, like, it really explored, like, identity crisis, which was interesting to see. True. Um, But, yeah, with this movie, it has such a, such a great message, too, and I love, like, okay, do you remember the the sequence when um, Dean and Hogarth hang out for the first time, and... Uh, Hogarth goes on a rant while he's drinking coffee. That scene. Oh, I, I mean, I think the first scene they hung out was when he had the squirrel in his. No, pants. when they hung out like outside of that first meeting, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The first time, if you don't count this. So, <laughs> I really love that scene, and it it's an iconic scene that a lot of people always like to show. But what I learned recently was 
So in animated films, the director oversees what's going on in the animation department. And there's key animators that animate important sequences. But the in-between shots that happen in between those sequences go to what are called in-betweeners. So the problem with that sequence was there were so many in-between shots that had to happen. It is the one full scene animated by Brad Bird. And mm. there is so much... He's an animator? Yeah, he can he can animate. Yeah, well, Brad Bird's worked oh. on... Did The Incredibles, too. Oh, I know, but I didn't think he animated yeah. The Incredibles. I thought he was just a director. Just yeah, you know what? I was wondering why the animation looks so fucking familiar with like, the, the facial structures and the chins and all that. Now I fucking see it. And it was The Incredibles. That sequence is one of the smoothest in the, mov- in the movies because it's just one person pouring everything into it. And when it comes to Toy Story 2, it's a really great movie with a great story, but you can feel the more, like, it feels bigger. You can tell there was, like, a huge team behind this when Iron Giant, you can tell it was a very more personal experience. Even the story, like, the story you just told, and, like, yeah, it's a, there's, I didn't expect to hear that, and, like, so now I can understand why there's so much, this movie feels personal, and now I know why. It definitely has more, I think, of a labor of love to it. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there isn't a labor of love into Toy Story 2. I'm sure people feel very uh, adamant about the work they did on that one. Um, but like as you said, you can feel the big studio-ness of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Not that Warner Brothers isn't a big studio, <laughs> but you can definitely tell this was a smaller team, or at least it, it feels like the people in it were... I especially love the... The animated part where uh, Hogarth does the cannonball into the water. Oh and my gosh. Then the giant does his cannonball. And of course, I, I made a joke when we were watching it the first time. Like, uh, the officials are looking to mass flooding in the, towns, <laughs> the town area. <laughs> uh, more at nine. Uh, but the whole scene where you see all the, fl- all the fish just swimming through the forest. And then Dean comes out holding on to his chair still. Being cool as hell, all hell, and he's just like spinning and then spinning and then he lands, and some truck that I'm guessing missed the whole splash or anything. He's like, you know, you're at the middle of the road, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dean's pretty chill as fuck. <laughs> but like, I love that. I like, just hey, yeah, you know, you're in the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> all right, suit yourself. I just I I I started cracking up so hard when I was rewatching it today when he was just like he was just floating, and the whole guards into on inside of a tree and I'm just like all right this is pretty hilarious. Well, you were doing your whole like you know the news broadcast about like you know like the flood you know the big flood from him doing the cannonball and I was just joking we're like yeah where the where the lake used to be reports say that there's only just two giant ash cheeks in the middle of where the <laughs> lake was. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Iron Giant just back at home going, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, the Iron Giant, famous for having that thick cake. Big old metal cake. Listen, he's got that, got that, got that thigh gap. (laughs) You think he could, you think he could clap it? No. That thigh gap too massive. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's Uh, clapping. It's all clanks. uh, What are the other parts that I... Make a fair point. You make a fair point. One of the other parts that reminded me when I was a kid is um, just like being called just random names, like uh, like how Mansley 
He's like, hey, sport. Hey, champ. What's up, slugger? Hey, cowboy. Hey. And I'm just like, oh, God. This is reminding me of my childhood. <laughs> like, yeah, because like someone desperately trying to connect with a kid because they want to sleep okay, with their mom. <laughs> so, okay. One, I don't think Mansley's trying to sleep with his mom. I mean, maybe I'm being naive. You're no, being I think way you're being naive. naive right now. You know, you know he's there for his job, but if it could sweeten the deal, you know he's he's oh, all I for mean, it. I mean, hey, listen. <laughs> I'm listening. Come on, tell I mean, me. Look at that mom, though. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's not <laughs> Who amongst us? I I thought it was who pretty... amongst us who doesn't have a significant other. <laughs> I'd be not. I I'd be I'd I I'd definitely marry her. Let's go. <laughs> There you go, Bubs. You're so wholesome. I love how you were you were thinking about what you wanted to say for a second and went for the wholesome. We know no, this guy is really all about that shit. About like I, I I got whole stories, but it's not for the podcast. <laughs> like, this guy ooh. wants to hold hands and he wants to look into the, to to your eyes and he wants commitment right away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the most important I, part. I, I also like the the scene that made me crack up. Another one was uh, when. The military shows up and they're going to the junkyard, and Dean's just standing there, just like drinking his coffee. And they're all, "Where's the metal man?" He's like, "Ah, the metal man." He's like, "Yeah, come this way." And he's just making this big old, you know, long explanation that doesn't need to be ha- doesn't doesn't need to happen. But he's just like kind of just like making enough time for the giant to get ready, and they get into the, the they get inside of the actual building, and he just has like a couple of stop signs on him. <laughs> And couple a couple of, like lights and wires <laughs> strewn about, and then even then, uh, uh, Hogarth's mother actually calls it out. She's like, "All these other ones seem like well, like elaborate arts that you created. This one just kind of seems like you just threw stuff on it. Yeah, it's kind of slapped <laughs> together." Which I gotta say, but she liked his art. I thought was... that's when Dean knew she was a keeper. Oh heck yeah! Especially you know, she was like, "I like this one especially." He's like, "You like, th- you like art? All right, here we go." Uh, yeah, no, one of my favorite lines in that sequence is just like, of course, classic government. I just finished this, and it's going to be taken I, off. <laughs> I love the run, running motif. This kind of goes hand in hand with, like, the, you know, the whole, like, you know, them fooling them. Because, like, later on, uh, Mansley is in his car, and in his rearview mirror, as he sees them driving by, he looks and he sees, like, the fucking, uh, in the town, city in the background, or a small town, I should say, and just this giant looming over as everyone's like, oh my god, he saved the, those kids or whatever. Uh, and, and, like, he just stops, or he just, like, runs into the car in front of him, and then the car in back of him smushes him in. And that, the, the running joke of Mansley just destroying cars... Like, the first one got bit into by the Iron Giant. The second one, he got sandwiched between two, like, military trucks. And then the third one, as he's trying to escape... <laughs> it gets... Just slams it straight into a military No, he runs vehicle. into... Well, the Iron Giant puts his hand down. Yeah, he slaps it. Oh, that's right. No, the Giant does it. Oh, uh, yeah, I made a joke about that. I was like, uh, local town in rage as taxes are raised due to government vehicles being destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guess what? We gotta pay for that guy's fucking rentals, goddammit. He... Okay, so... Government agent on record saying, hey, it's worth it because my job is more important than all of yours. That that whole interrogation scene, it just Ooh, made... That's, it made the government look a, so bad right there. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, because it's, it's, it's hard to make them look bad. 
No, no, but this is like, he's like, oh, yeah, it's, you, know, you can't protect your mother, can you, Hogarth? He's like, and then Hogarth just kind of shut down right there after, after being, like, you know, really strong-willed. He's like, yeah, your mother can't be taking of a kid like you. Do we have to take you away from her? I was like, oh, my God, are you for real right now? It was real fucked up, but it was a really good scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't want Mansley to be my stepdad ever if I was a kid. <laughs> Never <laughs> ever. Really? You you're you're telling me you're getting red flags from this hey, guy. I I got one that chloroformed a kid. I got stepdad like like Dean. Yeah, Dean would cool. He'll give me cappuccino or espresso. I'm sorry. The the coffee you're zilla. Like over thirty years old. Make your own <laughs> cappuccino. <laughs> nah, nah. He's a cool. He's a cool stepdad. He's gonna make me cappuccino. Yeah, Dean seems. Dean seems chill. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong about Dean. Dean is gonna be that one that teaches you the like, the essence of jazz, how to make a good coffee, and why art is going to save the American way. Okay, so he seems half cool. <laughs> uh. <laughs> hey man, you gotta be honest about these things. Look, I'm. I can only listen so much jazz. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna lie. Like Dean kind of sells out at the end because like he makes such a conventional statue for the Iron Giant, where it's just like. I think he mainly made that I mean, for Hogarth. Look though. at that amazing abstract it, art you got going over yeah, there, and then you make this thing. Like, all right. I don't know if I, I'm with Bubs on this one. Like, listen, sometimes you want to go abstract. You want to do cool. You want to do things that are like weird, and you know, not everyone gets. Sometimes it's like, hey, look, if this is just out of a like, respects for something that you think is really you really care about, or you're like, hey, look, I have big reverence for this thing, then you probably go a little bit more accurate, you know? Yeah, it's a, a coward. Because he even had Hogarth was even in the statue with being the kid on the hand. So I was like, that was, you know, yeah. if he if he if he did not like like if like if if he did not show the mom that he was a good candidate to be a good stepdad for Hogarth as well as be a, probably a good husband, that statue should sell it immediately. Because he, you know, that, he, he did that, for, uh, at least in my personal opinion, I feel like he did that for Hogarth. Sometimes, sometimes you draw, you draw like weirdo, like abstract eyeballs, and other times you want to do like the most realistic Paddington you can ever do. Like, it just depends how much you care about the subject. Oh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes people really, really care about like Paddington. Do... I won't, you know, begrudge. Sometimes them. people really like abstract cubism, or sometimes I just want to draw anime waifus. Like it just, what day am I on? You know, I just want some <laughs> marmalade. That's all I want on my toast. Don't just... right now, okay? I just rewatched <laughs> Paddington two recently, and I don't need to cry right now. <laughs> Stop it, okay? Stop it. You're right. You're right. This Stop is about it. the Iron Giant. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Jeez, I gotta cry about and, other things. And right now. <laughs> so, like, that giant, if he wanted to, is indestructible. He could destroy all of us. Just the one giant, I think, is good enough. Cause, like, they say he's iron, but he survived a fucking nuclear blast in space. I'm pretty sure he's made of tougher shit than iron. This man, and and then by the end, like I said, it's very wholesome. It's like, hey, look, he's resembling himself, and he seems like he's got his jolly attitude still. Um, you know, his new attitude since meeting uh, Hogarth. Um, if he wanted to, though, he could fuck us up. <laughs> uh, oh, what if, there is nothing on this planet that could destroy this creature. Well, would it kind of be funny if, like, at the end, instead of his eyes being, you know, all, just, like, all happy and smiling with just, like, the normal yellowish color that he has, 
it just turns red and the movie ends with a thong. And he, and he goes, <laughs> I am a gun. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be real fucked up, dude. I am. Just turns into the thing ending like the, or the blob ending like the end? Uh, Question mark. Oh, no. So what do we, what do we think about Vin Diesel's performance here? Look, Vin Diesel works one specific way because his two most iconic films are, or characters are the Iron Giant and Groot. So when Vin Diesel is uh, only saying about seven words in a film, that's the perfect amount of Vin Diesel, baby. I thought his his moments were like when he when Hogarth came out and he had the little fake gun. And he was shooting at the giant, and then, like, Dean kind of snapped the giant out of it. He's all, he's like, get away, get away. Look what you did. That could have been Hogarth. And, and Vin Diesel was just like, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Just like, I, I broke my heart. I thought he did really well right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm going to word it a bit more charitably than Squaring. I'm going to say, actually, that I think Vin Diesel does really, really well when given so little. Yeah. Um, not to say that his other roles, like I never saw the Chronicles of Riddick, but I saw like Pitch Black, uh, which I thought it was fine in Pitch Black, but it is very, very early Vin Diesel. And I've only seen one of the Fast and Furious movies. Honestly, I did not care for it. Um, it was the first Pitch one. Black is a situation where like you see the first one and you're like, okay, that was but, a pretty solid attempt at an original sci-fi film. But, you see the Chronicles of Riddick and you just go, what happened? I heard. I think that was good. after. Wasn't that after Fast and the Furious when Chronicles of Riddick came out? No. Yeah, Chronicles of Riddick came out until like 2005. Oh. When was the first? The first Fast and the Furious, I think, was like 2001 oh. or 2003. Okay, so that might have been... But Pitch Black was way before. Yeah, because I know he did Fast and the Furious, and then it would have been Triple X, I think, right after that. Oh, yeah, 2001 was Fast X. and the Furious. So I think by that time, those two movies, he was already in his own head. And when he did Chronicles of Riddick, it was like... I don't actually think he's... Be- <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, just, like, anytime you see, like, interviews or if you see, yeah, like... 2002. If you see him just, like, hanging out and being chill and not being an actor, he's so bubbly, <laughs> actually. He's so, like... He seems like such a nice guy. I don't know if he is. I don't bother looking into him. But he, like, he seems like he's just a nice guy having fun, probably doing coke. But, yeah, it's a legend. I won't say for sure, because I don't want to get sued. But, he is. Like, he seems like a guy who's just having fun. Um, and you see that as opposed to like his very serious roles or like, you know, serious characters that he plays. He's that guy that's going to get you into playing D and D no matter what he does, whatever. Oh, yeah, you that's do. right. I that's think his main goal. Play D and D doesn't he? But like, yeah. So what he makes like every co- cast member play? D&D. Honestly, uh, like I was saying, working, doing so much with given so little, I, I think he does really, really great. Cause like, yeah, the iron giant, yeah. he has very few lines, but they're very good like they're very like they, they get across because he is he is a metal man who doesn't quite understand so you know you can you can uh give him a little bit you the character especially or i guess the actor more than the character you give leeway for like being like well sort of robotic or sort of like not quite human a little of that uncanniness to it and kind of the same with Groot, where, you know, you get a lot of emotion out of Groot in just the three words that he says. Look, if I'm going to be nicer to Vin Diesel, I'll put it like this. As an actor, I can take or leave Vin Diesel. I, like, never been particularly blown away by a performance, but, you know, there are movies with him in it that I have fun with. Yeah. But when it comes to his voice acting, it is something else. Yeah. Like, he does have a talent for voice acting that, I would love to see explored more. Yeah, honestly, I would like to see him do more voice acting. 
Yeah, because um, that that final scene where he says, like, when they he has that 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 he just remembers Holgard telling him that he can be what he wants to be, and then he just says that he's Superman and he closes his eyes and just goes with the yeah. bomb. Who's going to that? That, that, that was. Because they set it up great, too, when him just being like, he didn't want to play, like, the normal games where he was the bad guy. He put on the little, like, silver, th- or the little pendant thingy that was, like, from a road sign. And did the big old S, and he just says, like, he wants to be Superman. So it was yeah. good setup, Superman. and it was very playful then. But then, like, yeah, when he goes to, like, sacrifice his own life to save everyone else from the nuclear bomb in space, and he's flying into it going, saying Superman, I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. <laughs> So like it, I, I guess in like from his other roles, like when he, like y'all mentioned Groot, that part when he was like sacrificing himself in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know how like how nice he sounds when he says like yeah. he has so much emotion when he just says, "We are Groot." Uh, that, yeah, that reminded me of that I was like Jesus. He, he sells it so well, and then you just suppose that to when he's like screaming it later, going like "I am Groot," whatever, and you know that kind of like screaming, just the different tones that he can get. Which once again, just those three words, I think I, he does pretty well. Oh no, my favorite one was at the end of Guardians Two when the new Groot is like in his teen phase, and he's just like oh. "I am Groot," "I am Groot." He's like, oh, "Don't talk to me that way." <laughs> I I loved it. It it was so good. Yeah. So. I, I will say that the rest of the voice acting for the movie I really loved, but I, I have to say for the kid that played Hogarth, he does a lot of like yelling in this movie. So I can only imagine the kid that played him at the time, just like his throat just must have been just like destroyed after almost like especially if they had to do like multiple takes of yeah. him yelling towards the giant because I was like, oh man, this kid's kid, this kid's voice is probably destroyed after every. After every session, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I as much uh, as much props as we're giving Vin Diesel for you know being like this big clunky metal man, and he does a really good job with it. Uh, Hogarth really is uh, the heart of it and the heart of the giant. Ha ha. But uh, yeah, the kid does really really well in all of the th- things that he has to do. Either being manic, worried, uh, hopped up on coffee. Um, Playful, all that stuff. Yeah, the the kid who plays Hogarth is really it does really really good too. Have you guys ever seen Batman Mystery of the Batwoman? Uh, was that one of the ones during like not that long, like a few years back, or how long ago? It's based off of the new Batman Adventures, which was the sequel to the animated series. Yeah, because he yeah. voiced the guy that the kid that voiced Hogarth voiced uh, Tim Drake in that movie, Robin. Ooh. Oh, nice! I, 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 I might have seen it when I was younger, but I, I can't recall it as of right now. I will probably have to watch that again. He was in an episode of Batman Beyond. Wow, Batman um, Beyond's pretty good. <laughs> love it. Yeah, yeah, honestly, like this conversation is just one of those conversations where, like, no film is perfect, but it's hard to find a flaw in this movie. Like, there's never been something I can say that, like, I could say, like, you know what they could have done better in this movie? Like, I've never been able to find an opinion about this movie. Yeah, I guess so. Except. Yes, give it to me, please. Hogarth. (laughs) Yeah, who names their fucking kid Hogarth Hughes? Even Mansley has a a line where he's like, man, you must really hate your kid if you name him Hogarth. (laughs) He's a Hogarth. Because, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Comic books have just barely been around at that point, you know? Like, yes, Superman was started in the 40s, and so was, like, Batman. But, like, 
it hadn't been that long. So the whole like, you know, idea of naming your kid or like with alter egos of like Peter Parker, uh, Clark Kent, uh, Barry Allen, Wally West, like that wasn't around. That wasn't as popular yet. So who looked at like what happened? What happened when you're looking at your kid? He's just born. You're just like Hogarth. All right, first off, he's a Viking descendant, all right? So that's why he got that name. Explain your reasoning. Fuck, I didn't think you were going to call me. <laughs> I don't know, it just sounds Viking. <laughs> that's all yeah. Is that is that all you've that, got? That's, that's all I got. That's all I brought to the table. You couldn't even bring up William Hogarth, the uh, famous painter who lived uh, in the... Uh, late 1600s, early 1700s. Okay, now you're just naming people that I don't know. How dare you? Uh, or I googled the name Hogarth. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kaz? Kaz? I think we lost him. Oh, he's back. Is he here? I no. just heard him. Damn it, Kaz. Kaz? Kaz? Yeah. yeah. So, did you like it? I did, Yeah. Uh, once again, our, our our little setup was I hadn't seen this except like two times as like a kid, and I was like, you know, hey, that that you know, a little long or a little, little like you know, not colorful. Um, but like, yeah, as I said, as an adult, I think I grew up like having more reverence thinking back. I'd be like, yeah, hey, look, wasn't that a really good movie? And then watching it again, finally as an adult, uh, being like, hey, yeah, <laughs> turns out I was right. That is a really good movie. <laughs> That movie slaps. Movie fucking yeah, fucking rules. It fucking owns. <laughs> um, so yeah, actually, I'm really glad I picked it. Cause I I have two movies for Summer of Animation that are movies that I've seen and would love to them to hold up. So I'm at least fifty percent on that, and they have two movies I've never seen, and I hope they're good. So we'll see about those. But until then, hey, Bubs. Yes. So did you like it? I loved it. It was great. I'm happy that I finally actually got to see this movie from beginning to end. and Instead of I, beginning and end? Beginning and end, yes. <laughs> instead of beginning, yeah, instead of beginning and then end. Um, I, I've, I felt like if I would have saw this as a kid and actually, you know, saw this just like everybody else did, I, I feel like I would be able to have that nostalgic feeling like everybody else does. But now that I've seen it, I'm glad that I did. Yeah, you'll prob you you probably would have had an Iron Giant Funko Pop like in your room. I think I might have, but I gave it away before. Oh, I was saying if you'd grown up with it, but all right, shit, this man already had an Iron Giant. Uh, yeah, no, if you would have grown up with this movie, you wouldn't have given it away. Yeah, well, one of my see the thing is I gave it away because one of my coworkers really loved the movie, and then they were they were leaving the company, so. Uh. I, I, I gave it to them as just kind of like a going away. Aren't you a nice guy? Yeah, aren't you so sweet? And then I found it in the trash can outside a few hours later. You're such a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. Bubs. Huh? You got to ask Squaring the question. Squaring. Yeah. Did you like it? I think that's pretty obvious. I'm gonna be real. Like, like I, uh, the people that listen to this podcast, I think they could tell that. Listen, I'm it's this a movie. formality, but you still gotta do the thing. Man. I know it, it's a formality that I came up with too. And yes, I did like this movie. I animation is cinema. That's why I really love summer summer of animation when we go into films like this because, like, 
I didn't even think about the Iron Giant when thinking about picking movies, and then you picked it, and then Wednesday was just a really fun experience rewatching an incredible film that just is a beautiful story of like self identity, gun violence, uh, as well as just like the common struggles of just like everyday people with like Hogarth wanting to fit in, Annie wanting to raise her son. Dean just wanting to do his art. Like, there's so much going on in this little small town of Rockwell, I think it's called, that happens in this hour and a half that, like, you could just spend a lot of time uh, dissecting and have a great time. It's called Rockwell? Yeah, that's the name of the city. Yeah, it's Rockwell because... Rockwell. uh, At one one point, he tells the the Iron Giant that he was born there, and then the giant starts running to the city in the middle of the night. Is it is that supposed to be like some kind of reference saying that this is this town is like a Norman Rockwell esque like picturesque like Americana town or what? I think you just hit it right on the head, my guy. Oh my god! I... <laughs> I'm That's really amazing. glad someone else got the Norman Rockwell reference. I was just like, hey, there we go. I just are you telling a... me that it, the town is like Sam Rockwell and it's the MVP of the fucking movie, yeah, dude? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Listen, if I gotta pick my favorite Rockwell. Gotta pick Sam over Norman. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut off your 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 explanation on the movie. I'm sorry. When you said it was Rockwell, I was like, holy shit, wait. We love you, Sam Rockwell. We love you. Please, <laughs> play video games with us. Please. <laughs> I, please, put, go on the podcast with us, Sam Rockwell. I will watch any one of your movies. They're all You're great in all of them. So that's right, guys. We are in uh, summer animation. Uh, this has been the first episode of it. We're going to keep going into it in the normal format where we look at more family-friendly films first than going into more, like, a little bit of adult-oriented films. Uh, what you can expect for the next couple of... Or the next good number of weeks, actually. Uh, we've got Treasure Planet with a good friend by the name of Tonic Boom. We've got Porco Rosso, which is going to be a lot of fun because I've never seen that one, actually. I haven't either, but I've always wanted to. Me too. Um, Wolf Walkers, which honestly love that movie. Uh, we are also doing Ghost Gundam Wing uh, Endless Waltz. Which is, that's the other one that I remember watching as a kid and loving because I watched, loved Gundam Wing. So I good. don't know how well that's going to hold up as an adult. <laughs> I'm so curious. I think it was like 1978 when the Lord of the Rings animated movie came out. We're going to be checking Fuck out that. Me. Okay. And okay. Uh, then Ghost in the Shell will be the last okay. movie for Summer of Animation. Oh, Wait, man. one of the ones we're watching is Lord of the Rings? Yeah, the the animated like rotoscoped oh. one. Oh, okay. That's the pick I did. And this waltz is gonna is gonna it's gonna it's gonna be good. I promise you. I and Ghost in the Shell is another one that I had. The other one that I haven't seen as much. You know, um, my uh, I I got to watch like a lot of anime as a kid, and I even watched like my brothers let me watch like uh, Akira as a kid, which is real fucked up. But they said. <laughs> No, Ghost in the Shell, it's too adult, he can't watch it. And I think because it has boobies, I don't know. Ghost, the films I haven't seen in the lineup that we have this summer is... I've never seen Porco Rosso, I've never seen uh, Endless Waltz, even though I love Gundam, I've never seen Endless Waltz. And um, I've never seen the Lord of the Rings movie. I've seen Ghost in the Shell, and we'll wait on that. And uh, the movie I'm super excited to show you, Kaz, is Wolf Walkers. That's the one that, like... I cannot wait to watch that movie with you. Okay. Uh, but what do you, what 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 uh what uh what do you got going on in your life? Me? Well, 
we're um you, you we do these podcasts live for the most part on friday things might be a little fucky uh, towards the end of the uh summer of animation but uh yeah we do these lives on, on live on on friday at twitch uh switch.tv uh, forward slash second respawn that's number two the letters nd and the word respawn all together no spaces no figures no nothing um we do those live on friday texas central texas time um other than that we also have variety streamers so i've been doing returnal with bubs we got a grapple hook so that's fun nan does dragon quest that's also fun he does monster hunter and monster hunter and monster hunter <laughs> um <laughs> and uh i've been doing world ends with you neo um on tuesdays so that's fun uh once again you can catch us on twitch.tv forward slash second respawn the number two nd the word respawn all together uh bubs yeah. What's going on in your life? Oh. Uh, so, Fridays, we've been playing uh, Persona Strikers. Of course, Monday's a date night, so we play Returnal with Kaz. Uh, I know that guy. Uh, Tuesdays have been... Uh, we finished Wind Waker, which was so awesome. It was a good game. You stabbed uh, that guy in the head. Uh, oh, he's super dead now. But we're going to be starting, instead of doing Tears of the Kingdom, I'll be playing Twilight Princess, which I is one of my favorites. Oh. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, variety streamer as well. Uh, uh, play different games on different days. But, Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitch at digibubs86. Uh, if you show up, just say hi. Oh, okay. Twitch.tv forward slash digibubs86. D I G I B U B S 8 and 6. And if you just want to know what's going on and uh, when you can find me on other people's streams or when the podcast is happening, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Sir Squarin. S Q U A R I N, all one word. Uh, this podcast comes out edited by our good friend Tucker. He puts in a lot of work for us to make this possible because he loves working on creative projects and he's just a good guy. So if you want to check out when where you can find him, uh, you can find him on Twitter at TuckerWins or on Twitch when you can stream uh, at twitch.tv forward slash Tucker underscore wins. Or you can listen to his Spotify at Tucker Stanley. Ah. <sighs> Man, Tucker Thank has done some of the most amazing, amazing edits I've ever uh, heard. Yeah, some of the stuff uh, is the not, not only uh, not only for stuff that we've ever done from other podcasts and things that I've heard. This man doing "We Will Rock You" in fucking bagpipes, <laughs> doing the Magical. doing the Lofi cover of uh, um, "Turn Down for What." <sighs> oh, that yeah. was a classic. <laughs> that was a classic. So next week, uh, Treasure Planet with Tonic Boom. So look forward to that. Thank you all for, for having me. I, I appreciate Bubs, when I, when I Bubs, Bubs, Bubs. You can stop talking now. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you very much for showing up. <laughs>
Eat my ass, Squirt. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I'm out of here. We will probably I'm have done. you again uh, when I drunkenly and like, hey, Bubs, this is a great movie. You gotta be in on it. And then the next day, I'm like, hey, Squirt. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you. my fingers together. Whenever <laughs> y'all decide to do another Ninja Turtle movie, just let me know. I'll be there. I'll make it the crazy podcast again. <laughs> oh yeah, the no, day we're... on Summer of Animation that I have super uh, that I have Batman and the Ninja Turtles, you're coming back on. Yeah. Oh no. I'm here. The the three the four of us we're all going to go see the new Ninja Turtles in theaters. That's gonna be a podcast episode. Let's do Ooh. it. Oh, I'm down. I'll be there. Let me know. <laughs> don't 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 let your your mouth. <laughs> Uh, write checks that your buddy can't cash, man. I watched The Iron Giant. I know I can just chloroform you to get you into a theater. You know, Kaz is gonna wake up. Hey, buddy, don't let this be our red flag for squaring, but he totally chloroforms you in a, in a dark barn with the light above you. Huh? <laughs> oh, anyway, welcome movies, to Ninja Turtles. Wait, Michelangelo's on TV, though. <laughs> Uh, I think we can end it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was saying, I think we have enough. <laughs> Threatening to chloroform your co-host, I think, is where we probably end the podcast. <laughs>